Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That Davis Show. I am your host, Kenneth Davis. Follow me at That Davis, and of course, the executive producer of That Davis Show and the flipping friends, one Ryan Bukovetsky. And you can follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski One. I think it's time, guys. And I'm not even going to say this with, with much excitement to go off top. Off top? Off top. Um, we got a group thread with anybody that's been connected with this show. That's part of the clique. So that's Weaver Radio. That's former producers. It's former interns. It's D. And uh, the thing last night was um, the tweet by one um, 670 co-host or host, Dan McNeil, a legend in the radio game here in Chicago, been in it for 30 years. Uh, tweet about Maria Taylor from ESPN. She made her debut uh, for Monday Night Football as a sideline reporter. And he tweeted, and I'm just going to paraphrase this, he tweeted that the outfit she had on looked like someone that was presenting at the ABN, uh, which is the uh, adult video um, news. Thank you, adult video news. All right, so porn news. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's where they have the Grammys or Oscars for porno. Yeah. Right? To say the least, uh, he, he tweeted about that. Uh, and it, the outfit isn't important, even though it wasn't an outfit that seems like that, and maybe he thought it was playing. Um, and by no means am I like excited that what took place today for anybody that doesn't know, Dan McNeil has been let go by 670 to score. Um, his, his co-host Danny Parkin started the show today. It was just, it's the Danny Parkin show from the time being until they uh, figure out who's going to be his co-host moving forward. Perhaps you could probably go back to Spiegel since they uh, hosted before in the past. We do expect perhaps uh, for them to bring in a uh, lady, uh, to do some some form since nobody's there anymore since Judy and Maggie have been let go. Uh, and we definitely know our girl Layla has been on there a lot, uh, who was let go by NBC Sports Chicago here. So it'd be great to see if she gets that. And by no means is that um, is this she getting that because of what happened to Dabney Bill. I think any woman, I think if it's Layla in particular, she probably was heading to get that job anyway because she is. Uber. Yeah, she was terrific on the radio. She's, she's uber talented. I tell her that. And often. she worked with uh, David Hall and Dan Bernstein. That's really solid stuff because right. that might not be the easiest. So anyway, uh, Mac was let go. Uh, Mac's had a lot of opportunities here in Chicago, and we've known his battles uh, through with, with substance abuse and with depression. Um, unfortunately, like he lost his father like within the last year. Um, but still, you know, especially with him being the legend that he is, you, you got to be careful what you're doing. And one thing I know that D always likes to say is you got you to check the room. You got to check the temperature in the room. And even if you thought that and you want to say that to your friends, by no means was that something you should have tweeted out last night, uh, especially with everything that's going on. And, and, and be all fairness with you, even if it wasn't for social justice, you shouldn't do that. Because even when we've seen the stuff that happened with Bernstein, with the young lady, and this was Comcast Chicago, it's going to be Sports uh, Chicago now, uh, talking about her body and how that, that was in 05, and how, you know, that, that was like, whoa. At that point, it was like, you know, he may be on the clock. Not to say that he was going to be gone, but you, you start to edge yourself a little closer to the door. And one thing, all of us males sometimes need to check ourselves. You know, like we talk about this with kind of, and it's, it's on a, it's a separate tangent, but like how we, we growing up, it was kind of okay to say homophobic slurs and you mature 
And as you become a young man, you realize this is wrong. And I know people that still do it and I tell them what's wrong with you. Um, we shouldn't be objectifying young ladies, uh, let alone on a, a, on a public platform because we all, we all fall small from where we want to be sometimes when we're corresponding with our friends and think that some things, even though they're wrong to say then, they're okay to go ahead and say. And I'm not saying that that's what he should have done, but that's what he should have done. You know what I'm saying? Instead of hitting that tweet and then deleting that tweet and losing your job over something as, as trivial as talking out the side of your neck when there was really no reason to do it. Um, ladies have been uh, pushed out a lot. We've always had um, we've had our friends at the show. A lot of times with Dan Davis, the show, we used to start off with with a lot of ladies were, were the guests. Uh, um, Cheryl Ray Stout uh, has come on here plenty of times and told us how she couldn't go into the Bears locker room until Jim Harbaugh brought her into the locker room. She couldn't go into the locker room before then. And just think about all the great work she had done at that point and how she's done a great work. That was 20, 30 years ago. But just think because of her sex, people wouldn't allow her into the room. And I'm going to break it down like this. This is one of the things we really got to be careful with. All right, so Cheryl Ray Stout can go into the locker room because people thought, what, she would be, that maybe the guys would be uncomfortable, but maybe she'd be objectifying them in her mind, saying these guys knew, right? I mean, to a certain degree. And we look at the professionalism that women have to do all the time. You rarely hear women make comments that, that are sports reporters or sports writers talking about uh, the looks or physique of male athletes because they know if they did that, people would be like, you're unprofessional, you're really here for a date, so on and so forth. But as male commentators a lot, we sometimes still talk about the physical characteristics of women, even if we're not being vulgar, uh, we're like, you know, she's good looking. You rarely hear women commentators say he's a good looking male, you know, perhaps if you're pressed, but generally they don't and they stay away from that because they don't want to be put into that box. And we need to start living by that, that, that same accord moving forward because it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's me being a black male, but still being a male and knowing that there are some privileges that I have that women necessarily don't have. And we need to move accordingly like that. I'm a father. I got a son and a daughter. And there's some things that, I mean, even before she was born, but I'm more cognizant of because I want her to view, I want her one to feel empowered, but also I don't want her to feel, um, sexualized or, or just 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 held in a box because of her se- because of what her, her sex is and because she's a girl there's certain things she couldn't she can't do or anything like that i want her to be of the mindset of a boss and to go out there and get it you know what i'm saying but as a dad i always have to be cognizant of those types of examples i said and i really try that there's a lot of stuff that i would watch in the past just as even as far as videos that i don't watch or particularly i don't watch when she's around, and of course, always we try to be uh, uh, try to be good as far as uh, language and not cursing and things like that. But still, getting all the way back to Dan McNeil, uh, don't know him tightly. Definitely at six seven to score. I've said hey to him a few times. Um, wish him the best. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not coming from like hate. It's easy, and it's this this time frame to come from hate. Because uh, again, I don't know where his heart was. I know where his mind was and it was on something it should not have been on. You know what I'm saying? And one thing like we were talking about in our text chain, that chocolate boy, it gets you, it gets you to start, you know, that, that, that old boys club, you see some of that chocolate and it make you go to AVN, right? Like that's your first thought was like, Oh, you know and I mean? It's funny cause I threw in like Lovecraft. If you've seen some of these episodes and you can see what that chocolate could do to, to the other side, man, they, they, they start to go wild. And of course I'm being facetious, facetious, facetious. And I, sit, I shouldn't play like that with something so serious. But this is like this bomb was just dropped a couple of hours ago. And I don't even know the angle that I want to take on it. But I want to come off top with it because growing up, listening to the Heavy Fuel crew, 
with Terry Boards and Dan McNeil. I wasn't, I didn't follow him to ESPN when it was Matt Yerker and Harry because I'm much more of a score guy. I do listen to ESPN, particularly Jay Hood. Shout out to Big Bro Jay Hood. But um, for a guy that, that had these type of opportunities and still, man, still just couldn't fly right. And I don't even think he, he was trying to fly wrong all the time if you look at some of the mess-ups he had before. Um, it's a sad. It's sad. Because I don't know if he's going to get another chance. You know, so in a couple years, maybe they'll try to bring him back again. But I don't know if he's going to get another chance. But he's had a lot of chances, a lot more chances than a lot of other people have had and will ever get. Now, sometimes it goes by the talent. You're so talented, you can bring in so many viewers, so many sponsors, you get more opportunities. That's just life, and that's how life goes. Um, life is not fair, you know what I'm saying? And you shouldn't expect it to necessarily be fair. But you should expect the people that have platforms to be just for the most part. And, and um, we all have uh, stepped out, but you need to regulate yourself and know there's a time and a place for everything, and that sometimes there's not a time for any of that type of shit. And I will put the shit on top of that at the end of it because there was really no time to necessarily do that. And um, as dudes, man, you, you just got to do better, you know? And I mean, we should look at it as a whole when we're talking about sports, that uh, it should be more welcoming to women, especially, listen, I think we want this with anybody. I, I can say um, when people will look at uh, um, uh, black people getting uh, advantages just because of their race, you know what I'm saying? And you, but you, 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 you don't like that, but you want a person to get that advantage because they put in the work and they show the talent necessary. But there's a lot of women that we don't get the opportunity that are better than dudes. Like I mentioned, uh, Layla Rahimi will smoke my ass when it comes to pause. I guess I shouldn't have said that. But when it comes to sports, I mean, not even sports. Like, she, I've always enjoyed conversations with her. She's extremely witty, smart, bright, and fast on her feet uh, to be able to do television and uh, radio. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, Daddy Mac. Um, I, I hope everything works out in the end because we know he's had some issues and I hope that he doesn't fall into those those um, those silos because it's easy uh, when something doesn't go that way to, to lean on the former crutches that you leaned on in the past. Uh, did you have anything that you thought about it, Ra? Yeah, let me do uh, some shout-outs real quick. Uh, I want to shout-out Maria Taylor for getting the Monday night gig. That's right. great for her. She's a superstar. Uh, shout-out to the text group because uh, I love how anything that goes down – I can just go to the text group and I'm just going to get all the pertinent information right there. I don't even need to go to Twitter. Okay. I'm just going to, I got it right there. Nicely, neatly, and organized with commentary. It's beautiful. And my last shout out is Julie Takaro. Cause she yes, wrote a terrific article on Deadspin, kind of talking about the culture that she experienced at 670 and how, you know, there's no women really working in Chicago sports anymore. Uh, you have some that are still on the air, but it's it, it more have gone than have yeah. come in by far. I mean, it's, and she even points out, Julie, in her article, 47% of women or 47% of the NFL audience is women. Like, women matter in the sports world, whether you are too old school to believe that or not. I mean, it's just a fact. And you want to bring in audiences. You don't want to exclude any audiences, especially now in this kind of culture. And you, you brought up the great point, you know, feel the temperature of the room. My guess is McNeil was just trying to make a terrible joke that he mm. would probably make around the people that he hangs out with. Cause he didn't think really much of anything. Like these are my followers. These are the type of people that I'm around. I can just kind of throw this out there. And 
you know, it, it was so odd too in the beginning because like you see the joke, and it's just like it doesn't even land to begin with. Like her shoulders are showing. Big right. whoop. Like right. what are we talking about here? Shoulders. And it wasn't like she was wearing some seductive type. It just it was an outfit that was kind of fashionable, creative, not maybe your standard TV type uh, ensemble. But her shoulders were shown. Big deal. Like, it, and then on top of it, you just like don't get an apology from him at all that we've heard at least. Um, the score, they did what they needed to do, and I I. I agreed with what we talked about in the text chain i had a thought maybe they bring in somebody right away leela with danny parkins like we haven't we've seen this before in other industries and across uh sports when there's an idea that there is misogyny and sexism in a place hey let's put a big move like you said bring a woman on daytime to show hey that's not true and layla would obviously be very deserving of that because she's terrific and unjustly just like julie was let go when the COVID cuts came because a lot of women were thrown out not necessarily a lot of men and and i i'm just i'm agreeing with everybody when it's like hey if you don't know that that tweet is wrong like you should get out of the biz to be honest i mean if i did that guess what like if dan mcneil was my boss or something he'd say get out how do you not know about our business like it would be it's so obvious number one and number two if you think like that Let's just get some new blood in here that doesn't because that that old school that like there's all this legend and lore about how the score used to be in the 90s, like the Wild Wild West. Like, all right, Wild Wild West is gone in civilization. We don't have that anymore. Like we're trying to get law and order and we're trying to actually improve it to the point where it's actually law and order for everybody and not just certain people. So let's just do that with our sports radio. Like if these on air hosts don't get it, move on. Yeah, and also, Jude, she has a book coming out uh, talking about her life in the industry. I haven't read the Deadspin article. I plan on reading it. Uh, she was one of the first people to have us on her show at the score, so always having an affinity for her. I was also thinking perhaps she'd be somebody we need to look to interview uh, moving forward. What are you about to say? Just a quick thing that she pointed out in that article, uh, and you pointed out, too, with the Dan Bernstein thing with Comcast. Like, the temperature back then, Like, I never felt that they were going to get fired. And I felt like Dan McNeil was going to get fired when I first saw that. I did. I thought it was was a chance he may get dinged last night when we were. I'm at least glad that there. Yeah, exactly. I'm at least glad there's some progression going on there. Like, I couldn't believe just thinking about it. Like, yeah, that that was just nothing. That was just an apology and on the air next day, move on. When really it was egregious. Maybe even more egregious than what Dan McNeil said. You mean Bernstein said? Oh yeah, yeah. Bernstein was more egregious than what McNeil said. Yeah, yeah, it was. It totally, it totally was. Um, it was that was out of it was out of pocket. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a Bernstein guy, um, but it, it was definitely out of pocket. You know. But again, I'll say this: um, as males, we need to check ourselves. Like that's and we, that one thing too. Uh, mentor uh, caught the end of Lawrence show because wanted to find out. He also, he, he did charity for the LGBTQ community, transgender in particularly. It goes across the board with everyone. I think we try to do a good job on our show, but you know what? We can do better, you know? And I know we can still have some fun, um, but also try to uplift everybody. And I think we try to do that, but I, I just think sometimes we need to be, be careful as far as objectifying people. And I mean, we do well. I don't think we, we jump out like that, but we just can't point fingers at Dad McNeil and Dan Bernstein, 
You know what I'm saying? We got to point fingers back at us because one, these are the people that we listen to. And two, we've said some comments similar to that. We just didn't have a platform that's big enough to where it could cause a stir. And I'm happy that the times have changed and shifted enough to where this has become the new norm because the truth is you can be this PC culture. It needs to be like that. Everyone should be treated fairly. You know what I'm saying? You don't want your daughter to be objectified. Guess what? Don't objectify somebody else's daughter. It's just common sense. And we need to stop playing and fucking around about it. You know what I'm saying? You know, my platform right now, I'm a curse because it's important because we, as a whole, we need to do it. I've never been one to, and I'm not saying any of these people did that. I'm not, this has nothing to do with those two gentlemen. Never want to touch a female. I've never been one to really call a female in a face <laughs> outside of the You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that it's not in a face makes me a better human being. But I've always tried to be careful when it comes to women. And I'm sure there could be some women that may not feel like I have. You know, like, you can think you're doing right and still be doing wrong. Case in point, I remember uh, being in front of uh, the Prudential building one day. And uh, Maggie Hendricks was out there with us. And, you know, Maggie covers everything, but she does tennis, Olympics, and everything like that. And Maggie had, uh, we were talking about Serena Williams. And I made a comment, and I said, listen, I know this is selfish and stupid, but I wish she hadn't had hadn't uh, had her child yet because she would have gotten this record. And the reason I say that is because as a um, teenager, because I was a teenager when Serena um, came into play, first Serena, I mean, first Venus, and her father said Serena was going to be better. In my house with my father who had me at 35, my great my grandmother, my great aunt, you know, these are people that, these are people alive before civil rights. My dad probably was born around during that time or whatever, but you know, like my, my great aunt was born in 1916. You know what I'm saying? And she was the last one to die. I took care of her and my grandmother. That was such big, sports were big in my house, but what they did was huge in my house. So they were like civil rights people as far as sports. Like, and I already, because of Andre Agassi, loved tennis and Wimbledon. You know what I'm saying? So Andre Agassi brought me into tennis. So to have these two young ladies on this um, this stage that's always kind of held was kind of held well, been taken away from black people because of especially for the open era, but because of, of the, the pomp and circumstances of tennis to see them on there with these beads in their hair and Venus initially starting to kick butt and Serena take it. It, it, it was it was a part of it, it just was a, a part of me. You know what I'm saying? It, and it was a part of my family. And it, was, it reminds me and I actually want to tear up of those three people who meant the most to me. So what I said was wrong. Uh, and I'm sure she doesn't like me from saying it. What I said was wrong. And just because I prefaced it with I was I'm, I'm going to say something wrong doesn't make it right. So I'm just pointing out to say that we all make mistakes and have to check ourselves. That's all I want to say about that. The only thing that I was going to add. The, I think like we talked about in the group, like sometimes men just are so men that Mm -hmm. they like let that get in front of their minds, basically thinking with your junk downstairs is what I'm trying to say. There's nothing wrong with admiring a woman for her beauty, especially if she's in the sports industry, but you have to understand women have been persecuted in this industry. Her Maria Taylor excelling has been really the exception, not the rule. And for her to accomplish something like that, when you just boil it down to just looks, that's that's where the disrespect comes in. That's why we need PC culture, because you got to have an understanding. If you're going to just say whatever you want, at least respect the fact that she's kicking butt in an industry she's not supposed to kick butt in. 
dude. I mean, when you talk about how multi, go back from getting from. Of course, she did SEC and uh, basketball. Now she's she's does the NBA countdown and then the debut. And she did college football. Monday night football. Yeah, you're right. That's why I was kind of saying with the SEC, I was including her in all the SEC stuff with that one. Um, to see her co-host on Get Up, like I mean, with us is what's on the periphery of the industry. You know how difficult it is to put where so many hats that she's worn. She's worn. I'm not just yeah. being a sideline reporter to reporting, but also being a host. That's dude. That's you got to be on on top of your game, super talented, and really know what you're doing at, at all times. So you you have to give her props for for what she did, and uh, just take your hats off. Uh, to that young lady, and sorry that that happened during her debut last night because it, it was unnecessary. Off top, off top. All right. I, listen, when I saw this title in ESPN that Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, has decided that Daryl Morey, uh, GM of the Rockets, will be in charge of finding their next head coach, as Mike D'Antoni said that he's not going to uh, come back to the team after he uh, decided not to sign a contract that was offered to him by Tillman Fertitta. Uh, earlier this season, him and Fertitta have seemingly not been on the same page. Uh, my first thought was, boy, Daryl Moore got away with it again. And then I went back, and before I read the article, my first thought was China. And the beginning of the NBA season before the original beginning of the NBA season, not the COVID restart, where the NBA players were in China and Daryl Moore dropped a tweet. And I, in my head, as a joke, I was supporting like, Hong Kong. And he was, I, in my head, I was like, he was like, hey, LeBron, you want to be a do good at what do good on this? With these 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 yep. rights and with these people. a dark day for young Tony, as I remember exactly. And I mean, listen, Daryl Morey's intentions were in the right place. His timing was wrong. One, because I'm not even going to talk about the money aspect, but the players were over there when this happened, and we all know sometimes. And again, we get our news from the people right here, so it's always going to be a slant. But we know about the regime over there and how. You know, you have a lot of people, especially depending on, you know, ethnic Muslims who are put in the camps uh, and to, to eat and they never come out. Their family members say once they've been in the camp, they basically assume that they're gone. All right. So there's a, there's a lot of human rights issues around the world. But in particularly, we you know, here, but in China, there's a lot of human rights issues. So what he said was right. Uh, but still, you did it when the players are over there and you know how uh, valuable the Chinese market is just to the NBA and to the players in general. Um, but the real point was that the players were over there. But so, and I saw that, I was like, so, and this on top of that, the Houston Rockets are a huge sale because of having Yao Ming, uh, a former uh, Hall of Fame player on their team who came from China. Uh, so that team is beloved over in, in, in China. So he also helped hurt, hurt Tillman Fertitta's pockets and lost him millions on top of the NBA and the NBA players because they, they didn't – I don't still don't believe they played NBA games. They showed – they viewed or played NBA games over there as they usually do. Uh, but when to see that he still got to hold on to his job, it's like hats off. And I'm, I'm semi-interested because I want to see what Daryl Morey does with a new coach when he has somebody – now, Mike D'Antoni doesn't make changes during the game – but he can come up with like playing total small ball changes as far as doing something that's outside of the box. So I want to see necessarily an interaction and especially analytics between the next head coach and this past head coach is Mike D'Antoni and what they're going to do with the Houston Rockets, especially since it's not going to be easy to come off of that Westbrook contract. Not to say there's not a team out there that may not take them, but it's not necessarily going to be easy. You may not necessarily get the value that you necessarily want with how much money that he has left after getting that extension while he was still in OKC. But uh, yeah, Daryl Morey, boy, your cat with nine lives, and you got out of this one again, man. I, I, I'm, 
Oh, man, Daryl Moore, Daryl Moore, Daryl Moore. Question for you. Do you mm-hmm. think maybe Tillman wanted to keep Daryl because, let's say he fired him. Like, that job kind of sucks for GM. You got all your first-round picks being sent to OKC mm. pretty soon, and all these guys are locked up with no money to really mm. have any movement. Like, at least you know Daryl's going to get you in the playoffs, I guess. Because what is the other – because what would another GM do, you know? Like, you can't – unless you're going to trade Harden, who has value that you can really trade? Well, see, that would be what another GM – see, the, the problem is Tillman Fertitta, especially right now in this COVID situation, and how, how much do you want to rip everything down when there's right. not a lot of avenues to create income because you're not going to have fans in the stadiums? You know what I'm saying? So, the, I agree with you, but you also got to understand there's only, only so many GM jobs – you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you have to take it. Um, but I agree. It may be hard. And one thing that Tillman Fertitta did say in the job, he said that I don't know how to pick a coach. Uh, and one thing I always tell people, know what you don't know so you can hire somebody to do what you need to do. So also, I'm sure if he doesn't know how to pick a coach, he probably also doesn't know how to pick a general manager either. Uh, so he probably just didn't want to step in the way of that and have some familiarity with Daryl Morey. So he decided to just go ahead with Daryl Morey. But again, Daryl Morey is a slippery cat. Yeah, um, you know what I'm saying he's a he's a slippery cat. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Daryl Moore, and I want to take a job away from my brother. But I would love to see him in Philadelphia. <laughs> the process. Your hate, your hate no. of Elton Brand has come full circle. No, no, it's not that. It's it's Hickey being that he he came from Daryl Morey. I would like to see if he could finish the process. Is what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe he didn't even think that was the correct process. But I would like to see, especially since he's so hell-bent on three-pointers rather than twos, I would be interested in seeing what he would do since that was one of his disciples. He'd trade both of them for guys that shoot threes. Give me Dame Dash that created that. I, I would be interested in seeing that. But, yeah, that's my last off-top. Uh, just a little uh, Daryl Morey hate. And also um, just talking about um, just talking about an unfortunate incident. I, I'll do you... be like, yeah, man, Devin Mills out. Like, that's not the vibe. Um, I don't want to live off of anybody losing their job, but that's not the vibe, you know what I'm saying, that I have, even though, man, he, he, he fucked up. One last thing, though, with the Rockets. Do you have anybody, a coach, you like for that team? Would anybody do a good job there? Hmm. I would think, now, we heard rumors that Tyrone Lewis was supposed to end up in Philadelphia. I would think, one, uh, well, Sam Cassell, I guess, being the, the rocket that when we were younger, I remember him being that rookie out of Florida State. They had to put Kenny Smith butt on the bench and let the young shorty cook. And the second year, and when he started to get some starts, he was all right. But then again, because this was when Michael Jordan was going and Houston Rockets won back-to-back titles, one against the, uh, the New York Knicks and the second against Orlando Magic, uh, he didn't start cooking again into the playoffs and particularly the finals. And that's when we start to know, like, oh, Sam Cassell, because we thought he was legit, legit. It was like, oh, he legit. And then he ended up getting traded to the Nets, and he further showed how legit he was in the Bucks and so on and so forth. And, you know, he was with Minnesota, which was pretty well at uh, KG. Um, but, yeah, I would say Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, being a Houston guy, he should get that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know how um, it's going to work analytically, but you know what? To a certain degree, there should be a marriage between basketball know-how and analytics. It, it shouldn't just always be led – Strictly off analytics, as far as what I believe. So I, w- I w- tell that to Daryl Morey. I know, right? You have to tweet out some other some hate right now. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. <laughs> I protest the Davis show. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, I would say I would I would lean towards Sam Cassell. I know I've seen that in reports. Uh, but yeah, I would say Sam Cassell. If not Sam Cassell, I would say someone like Ty Lue. Um, trying to think, is there any other maybe some young coach that we necessarily don't necessarily know about uh, who is kind of in the same vein as Daryl Morey as far as relying heavily on numbers uh, may fit the bill. You know what I'm saying? But I know with the fact that you've already lost two black head coaches in the NBA, that it would be good if they picked up someone of color to uh, take some of these jobs with Nick McMillan and Alvin Gentry uh, being let go uh, after the being exited in the playoffs. Yeah, it would be much better. I mean, right. they can always get a yes man of Jim Boylan if you want it. See, now you got to ruin everything. Now you got to ruin All they're going to be doing is power listing. Now you got to Yes, you we'll gotta, shoot threes, Daryl. Yes, you gotta, anything you want. We will shoot threes. To, now you have to ruin everything. Uh, but, yeah, definitely. Uh, we will be back that day of the show. We're going to have Mark Grody, uh, Bear sideline reporter for 670 Score, WSCR, join us to break down this past game uh, to talk about, man, Allen Robinson. It's hitting the button, out mirror button, like eject. Um, Get me out of here. Is it just talk, or is there a chance that uh, now that we even say he'll be traded, even though that's been mentioned, that maybe at the end of this year they are going to have ends meet? That Davis show. Be right back. Daughters in line for the decisions in this game. Davis puts one up in the air, way back and right center, and goodbye, home run. There's one. All right. That Davis show, and it's funny because we just had a, a discussion on the title of That Davis Show, is lucky enough to have WSCR sideline reporter and 670 to score sideline reporter the same uh, for the Bears. The one and only Mark Grody, who's always been uh, kind to DNI uh, to come on the show and drop some jewels. So we had to bring him in, get, get by Ryan, especially with the news that just dropped. But first, how are you doing, Grody? I am doing well. Happy to be back on with you. And yeah, much. Uh, I'm actually just happy that we are we're talking about sports again and right. it's just all over the place, left and right. I don't want to say it's like it, it, it was never gone because it was pretty angst ridden for a while, but it's uh, really good to have sports back and to have the NFL back as well. I totally agree with you. And I, I'm a South sider. So it's good to, to have the baseball back, uh, especially after the years of getting my, my heart tramped on by my team. I'm, I'm happy to be in first in the L, man. I, I, I like it. It's a good feeling. It's been a long time. I got to tell you, there's nothing fluky about the White Sox either. Sometimes there's there's been years for both of our baseball teams, the Cubs and the Sox, where you can look back and say, eh, I'm not really sure. Like 2000 for the White Sox, the Cubs in 89. I'm not really sure if that was a really good – but the White Sox, man, that team that they have put together is legit, and I think they could do damage in the postseason. Definitely. Uh, we'll see. I know some people want us to get Clemager, but – I'd rather hold on to my prospects because uh, the guy whose name should not be mentioned, and that is Fernando Tatis Jr., I don't want to see that happen again. So I don't trust these guys with trades right now. So we're going to just leave, leave the same path for right now. <laughs> but listen, let's get into some football. It was a few things. This was like the third question, but it bubbled up like an hour ago again, and that is Allen Robinson and this trade request. Now, I guess the question is, is this – Alvin Kamara situation where it's just like, all right, let me sit here and show you the mark where I'm at. So you'll finally get to the table and we can kind of come to some compromise or is there starting to be so much friction that you expect perhaps at the end of the year, he may walk away if he's not franchise tag. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really taken to another level and I, I, I have not spoken to Alan Robinson. We as a media have not had uh, collective discussions with him in the last, you know, 48 hours or so when all of this started to go down. 
but yeah, I definitely think it is a play on his part to, you know, to get the Bears going. We, we don't know. We don't know what he was offered. We don't, if he was offered something, we don't know what Allen Robinson might have asked for. Um, you know, and now he's getting it out to the public and to the we, the Bears beat reporters, and everybody is kind of scurrying, trying to figure out what's going on. I will say this. I mean, it's it's probably a smart move on his part to get his displeasure out there in the public because I don't know too many Bears fans who aren't going to support Allen Robinson at this point because he is the best player on offense. And for whatever it's worth, man, he was every single year the media votes on a player to award something special from us as the the, the Bears beat people the um, an award to the the most media friendly guy or a guy who was best to us um, and he actually got that award last year so he's going to get good publicity I would think um, out of anything that he puts out there. We'll see. We'll see if this actually prompts the Bears to do something, if it prompts the Bears to comment on anything. At this point, we don't know. It's a, as we like to say, a fluid situation. And hopefully we'll find out more in the next couple of days if, if they want to comment on it. Sticking with this, uh, Mark, let me ask you this. Usually Ryan Pace sits there and he takes care of the players who are up for contracts really in the preseason before their season starts. I mean, that's, that's usually how this, this takes place. Could this be an issue during this season? Or, is, again, it's just a regular contract thing. And you just mentioned, one, how good he is with the media. But I also would take it that he's really good in that locker room. We've seen some of the players uh, that have come out and backed him. Could this disrupt that locker room, the fact that he's not getting paid and he's such a value? Yeah, I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because the media thing probably should go in the background a little bit. That's probably – that I, I probably should have said that more as a peripheral thing because, yes, in the locker room – I mean, you can see it on social media right now. All the – lots of Bears players, especially on offense, are, you know, supporting Allen Robinson and saying, you know, get this man his money, take care of him. So – for sure, yeah. I mean, he is he is a popular man in the locker room. Um, he's very close with some of the guys at defense, too. His locker is right near Eddie Jackson's, um, right next to Mitchell Trubisky as well. So, you know, he's one of the leaders in that locker room, one of the voices in that locker room. And, you know, as far as the this happening during the season – yeah, of course, it's going to be a little bit of a, of a distraction to the team. I don't know that it's going to affect anybody's play, and probably knowing Allen Robinson, it probably won't affect his play on the field. But reporters, we are going to ask about it. It is in the news. It is a story. It is a star player. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they do still get a deal done. Ryan Pace said that he doesn't rule out that possibility. I mean, he, as you said, he usually does get these deals done before the season start. That's kind of been what, you know, the track record suggests, but it's not impossible that an extension would get done with Allen Robinson sometime in the season. That Davis show right now, lucky enough to have Mark Grody, follow him at Mark Grody sports. Mark, let me ask you this. Uh, the defense didn't come out and talk to you guys. Let's talk about the media because you guys do important stuff. You you connect us to the team, all right? So you don't have to put that in your back pocket. We're going to bring it back out. <laughs> so listen, the defense didn't talk to the media, and I, I want to know why do you believe they didn't talk to the media. But I also want to go back to last season, and there was a lot of games where Khalil Mack necessarily didn't talk to the media. 
And also, I want to kind of get into a little Mac and this this step forward to be more of a vocal leader uh, later. But I'll ask you that. But as far as the defense not talking, why do you think that took place, and why was Khalil Mack not talking last season? I, uh, you know, I got a little bit of uh, clarification on that, and it had to do with that. That was more of just a communication error between the media and public relations with the Bears. I don't think they had realized that we didn't have a defensive player to speak to, so they did end up getting Akeem Hicks okay. um, for us. So there was nothing, nothing that I know that was personal on the side, on the part of the defense. It's just, this was just one of those, I'll go ahead and uh, call it a snafu in this age in which we live um, of the pandemic and them having just one PR guy in the locker room. So um, I don't think it was anything personal. And I think that that was, that was taken care of, I do believe so. But as far as Khalil Mack is concerned, yeah, he was supposed to speak to us last week. And I don't know why he didn't end up speaking to us. That one, I don't know. And last year, was after games, why was he not talking? As far as what you believe, why didn't he talk to the media for a lot of games last year? And I know the season wasn't what they wanted it to be, but he disappeared as far as to be a quote-unquote leader when it was time to speak. Man, I, it's like, I think, number one, I think he, I don't think he hates us. I don't think, like, there's hate in Khalil Mack, but he truly hates talking to the media. He really does. Like I, I have learned that about him, that it's not personal. Um, and I don't think it, I don't think it's construed that way by most of my brethren in, in the bears media, but he really can't stand talking about himself. He just doesn't like doing it. Why he doesn't like doing it. I don't know. So I think that that had more to do with it than anything. Once word got around though, a little bit that people in the media were questioning his leadership because he didn't speak after games, which is frustrating, no doubt about it, um, from, from all of our perspectives. Um, he did start to speak a little bit more, um, and I think maybe he realized that that's, unfortunately for him, it's part of the gig. You know, mm -hmm. um, It's not something he, he – I think he had it easier in Oakland where the media is not as huge. I mean, it, it's you know eight times as big in Chicago. Chicago is one of the biggest media hordes that exists, even and that includes the, the New York teams because the New York teams are split with their media because they have two teams. So I, I think maybe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think it was a little bit overwhelming for Khalil Mack to have to deal with all of us. Um, and the responsibilities that were expected of him and the questions that he would get that this was, this is not while, while he thrives in a bears uniform as a player. I don't think that this is the media town for him. Okay. That, that definitely makes sense. I want to stick with him real quick because one of the things we did notice during this game on the sidelines, he was trying to galvanize the team. Now I kind of want this to correlate a little bit with our discussion with Allen Robinson, because I do view Allen Robinson as one of the leaders, not saying Khalil Mack is, but Allen Robinson comes off as more of a vocal leader. Do you think that usually guys go off of stay who you are because if you try to be someone else, and we say it's with coaches a lot, but it also pertains to players being for us to play sports at different levels, that when a guy kind of steps out and tries to be somebody that he's not, it's not believable. Do you think him trying to galvanize a team is believable because it hasn't necessarily been something that he's done in the past? Well, you know, I will say this, that I, I kind of thought the same last year. I remember talking to some players in the locker room last year, um, and I think it was Buster Screen that he said that he said that Mac was even last year. He was one of the biggest leaders in that locker room, believe it or not, that he, he was a, a vocal guy. And I know that it was sort of caught by the cameras in the game with him, you know, being vocal and galvanizing the team. But I, from what I understand, he does have a pretty big voice in, in the locker room as little as he says to the media um, of substance to us and our questions. I think that he takes care of his teammates. And then he's one of these guys too, of course, who 
he is, I'll tell you this, like when you watch him practice, he practices harder than anybody else. It's not a joke. That's not hyperbole that you hear coming from us. Like he's a ridiculous practice player. So you can't slack around him because if you do, you're just going to look foolish. And so he is like, I hate like the term lead by example because it's just so ambiguous. And what does it really mean? But in his case, when he's, when he does something, you best act accordingly or else you're going to be sent to the back of the line. Do you think, you know, when, when Julius Peppers were here, and it's funny, I talked to my friends and they, they talk about Khalil Mack and they want to compare it to Julius Peppers and how Peppers had that tag of taking plays off when, even though sometimes you can't be hot if you played any sports on every down, right? Like, that's just, you can't be. Um, but one of the things that I look at in view is that it seems like, and I know you can't call holding on every play, it seems like he's, he's held almost on every play, you know, and I don't know if that's a situation where the coaches need to necessarily make sure they talk to the guys in the stripes, you know, so make sure during the week that they know what's going on, or is it a situation where Khalil Mack, and as you just said, he, he works hard. And I don't, I don't want that narrative to permeate because it's not what I believe, but also I may be biased. So is he, is it comparable to what people are saying about Julius Peppers or is no, this guy is basically uh, pedal to the floor 24 seven when it comes to that edge rushing against that quarterback. In a much smaller scale, on a much smaller scale, when I say this, it reminds me a little bit of Shaquille O'Neal when he was in his prime and he would drive to the basket and he'd get fouled, fouled, fouled. And sometimes the refs would call it, sometimes they wouldn't because he was just this unstoppable force to the point where it was like almost unfair. And I, I think refs had a really hard time call, dealing with Shaquille O'Neal and what's a foul and what's not because he was just, he's a monster. Um, and I think like it, it's totally different, obviously. We're, we're, we're dealing with different scales and different sports here with Khalil Mack. But I do think there is some of that, too, that if you have a guy like Khalil Mack who is held, um, I'm not going to say every single play, but certainly more times than it's called, it, to me it's the referees kind of getting sleepy and growing immune to it as well because you're right. I mean, if you and I, and in this case, I had to watch the game on TV just like everybody else because of the, the pandemic, if you and I could see that, um, and we're amateurs, like why aren't they seeing it? Like we're, we're like, that, that's holding. He, he, he's grabbing his shirt. You can't do that. Um, it, then you have to say, what are they looking at? And have they grown immune to calling holding on every single play that there is a holding call on when it comes to any of the star pass rushers in the league, let alone Khalil Mack? That David show right now, Mark Grody, sideline reporter, baseball reporter for the 670 score. Follow me, Mark Grody Sports. Sorry, Mark, I'm a little bit tongue tied. Listen, I want to stick with the defense because you got me Bears excited. And I had more questions after this game than going into this game. I mean, it was a win, but it was like, whoa, you guys. Oh, yeah. It was like one of those. And the defense initially, I felt like I was excited uh, because even though it was a low-scoring game, you know, it, they, they were in it. And, and then it seemed like they got gassed. And I don't know if, if it's also play calling because, one, we look at Chuck Pagano as being a guy that brings the heat, especially when we know Robert Quinn isn't there. Uh, so we're looking for that heat to be brung, even though you're dealing with a Matthew Stafford who, yeah, Bears fans, we can clown him somewhat, but he's a top-tier quarterback. He's at least in the top ten when he's healthy. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if – am I looking at Chuck Pagano for this type of situation or it's a situation where due to injuries so we're talking about Eddie Goldman. All right, so I'm including the run game. Uh, we talk about Robert Quinn with his ankle, uh, but also guys that were in there. I didn't see the interior linebackers, and those were two players – that you felt so good going into this season because at first we didn't think they were going to retain Danny Trevathan. 
So when they retained him, it was like, cool. You know what I'm saying? And that's not a knock on Nick Wachowski, but because Nick Wachowski balled last year. Yeah. There was still some worries about him in the passing game being with those two, what we expect from these two speed merchants, in particular, Ro- Roquan Smith. So what were some of the things with, defensively that you noticed were an issue, or should we just all, and I know this is, the, this is just the easy way to say it, chalk it up because Robert Quinn wasn't there on the other side? No, I, I don't think you can completely chalk it up to that. I do think that I, I would say they missed Eddie Goldman more because we saw way too much, too many bursts. Like, God bless, everybody loves Adrian Peterson, the player. You know what I'm saying? But, like, way too many big bursting holes for Adrian Peterson and nobody putting a hand on him at this point in his career. And he's crushed the Bears in the past when he was in his prime with Minnesota. So it was like, come on, still he's doing this to the Bears? So I do think that that big man in the middle – was missed. However, you know, Akeem Hicks is a guy who is known for putting a, putting a stop to some of that run. We, we saw him come up with a huge sack late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it just felt like the drive that disappointed me the most was the Lions' first drive of the second half, the third quarter, where the defense, because a lot of times you could say, well, the defense is tired because the offense is three and out, three and out, three and out, as they were in the first half. But in that second, in that third quarter, first drive, they had just come out of the tunnels, out of the locker rooms, they're well-rested. Detroit marches right down the field. The Bears were on their heels, and we haven't seen that. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen that, barely, during the, you know, this group. I mean, you mentioned Danny Trevathan. You could see him way off his guy. Again, you and I could see it. Danny Trevathan on his own island with the tight end Hawkinson getting away from him and, and catching football. So there was too many times that there was some sloppy tackling, which I think was, that's the one thing I think Matt Nagy, there's two things that Matt Nagy said that were going to be the effect of the preseason games, that reaction time might be a little bit off timing. Timing is what I should say. And then tackling, tackling might be a little sloppy. And we saw it being, we saw that come to play as well. So if, if you, if, if we're giving them a, a, an excuse, certainly not a pass, but an excuse, the lack of preseason games probably hurt the timing. And not to mention, it was, because of the pandemic, a softer training camp as well. Mm, true. Definitely true. Look, I, I, I want to stick with the defense, but go to the rookies. Uh, Jalen Johnson being a, a rookie starting at cornerback, I think he had a good game. Uh, to me, he had a good game. But this also starts to see, and I don't want to drink too much Barracks Kool-Aid, one of those years when Ryan Pace hit on three or four draft picks. It, I mean, it's one game. Let me leave with that. It's one <laughs> game. All right? But when you look at Jalen Johnson, Cole Clement, and uh, D- Darnell Murray, at least mm-hmm. just out of those three, because that little speed, dude, because I mean, usually, like, and it's funny that we have Ted get on this team. When you talk about speed, dudes, you think about, like, him coming out of Ohio State. Like, all right, this is all I do, Right. But Maury seemed to be able to do a little bit more. So it was like, oh, you're just not an in-line guy. I like how you dropped to get the ball. But what are your thoughts on the rookies this year? Should we be excited uh, that, that, that Ryan Pace, who has missed, especially in the first round, but it seems like he got back into his bag this uh, past offseason? It was great to see two guys make an impact. Like, I, when, when, the, when they were drafted, when Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney are drafted, and people are asking me about them, I said, well, with the truncated offseason and the mystery surrounding the season – I don't think that either of these guys is going to make it start, let alone make an impact. And they proved me wrong. Both started, both made an impact. I'll start with Mooney because we actually, um, we Zoomed with him today. And he told us that when he came on the field for the first time, all the Detroit defensive players were like, speed, 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 speed. So they knew. I mean, they knew the reputation was there. 
And I have to say that Matt Nagy ran some smart plays with him because he didn't burn him. He, he didn't, he didn't uh, run him on go. He put him inside. He had him run a route, and he had the defenders off of him. So he was able to make a couple of free catches for around 40 yards, I think is what he came up with. Um, cool as can be. He is supremely confident. It's that word that I'm always looking for between confident and cocky. It's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing in sports. You know what I mean? Um, and Jalen Johnson has the same thing. Same thing. We were talking to him today on Zoom. And everybody's trying to get the, hey, were you nervous? And, and both these guys are like, nah, no big deal, whatever. You know, Moody was like, I was less nervous for this than I was playing high school and college. He's like, he's, he, got, I was, he, got, he said he was too relaxed at, at mm. some point in time. So, um, and then, you know, Jalen Johnson, like a typical cornerback in the NFL. Like there were some plays that he missed, um, but he made more big plays than bad plays, I thought. You know, he tips the ball that is ultimately intercepted by Kyle Fuller. He had a couple of nice uh, plays. Um, downfield on guys he did get he did get trucked at one point in time he did. Uh, yeah <laughs> that was not a great look that was oh like, yeah oh, I'm in high school like oh lord oh lord no <laughs> I want none of that look speaking of truck and you bro mentioned him earlier I want to throw this jab in there because Adrian Peterson right and out one was there a part of you that was rooting for him just because of those old matchups? Because he, I remember when he first started with the Vikings, it was like, oh, this is totally different. But that hit, when Buster Screen tried to, well, tackled him, I swear I worried about Buster Screen's sternum the rest of the game. <laughs> collision was like, oh, no, you want none of that uh, yeah. trailer coming through the pipe. But look, sticking with running, um, and you mentioned Matt Nagy's play call. All right. And one of the things last year was just him not necessarily sticking to the run. And the fact that's the I think that's what I was hyped about most of this game. The fact that he did not even regardless of not getting a lot of scoring on offense, he didn't abandon the run. Uh, and mm. now, is that because of the coaches that he's brought in or is that maturity? Is that because him and Harry, he staff weren't on the same page? Or is it more the fact that Matt Nagy knows that sometimes you have to go to fundamentals, even though you want to prove your brilliance through the passing game? Yeah, no, I think it's more naggy that he finally realized something because I remember back at the at the combine and you know we've asked him millions of times about the running game even even in 2018 when they were a terrific team even after we talked about oh that was a great win it was like okay where was the running game and and every week every week he would say oh it's coming it's coming we're working on it we're working on it and you know finally. I think I asked him at the combine, do you, have you have you kind of finally realized that you have to, or I don't think I worded it that way, but something to the effect of you have to run the offense that you have for the players that you have for the talent that exists. And he said, yeah, that in, in other words, he had to change some things and the way he called the game and that they have to run the football. And finally it happened. Like we talked so much about Mitch Trubisky doing all the talking and we have to actually see it on the field. And it's the same thing with Matt Nagy. He did a lot of talking. Like, in practice, the running game looks good. Let's see it on the field. Like, no more talking about it. And finally, we saw it. I think he realized that if this team is going to win, if this offense is going to survive and thrive, he had to do it, even if he still hates the run. I still don't think the guy, you know, he, he wants to pass. Yes. He wants to pass like crazy. If he had his druthers, that's what they'd be doing. So it's taken him three years to realize, I can't do that anymore. Um, so, and I mean, I do think Juan Castillo probably gives a different look. I mean, that's not at all to, to denigrate his predecessor in any way, shape, or form in Harry Heastan. It's just a different look, a different concept, and it seems like the players, at least for one week, took well to it because it was good. Listen, rush as far as rushing and also pass, uh, uh, pass blocking, 
What were your thoughts on the offensive line? Because to me, they played better than what I saw last year, even though there were sometimes Mitch was necessarily pressured. And what were your pros and cons from game one necessarily that what stuck out? I think that it was overall, it was, I'd give it a good for the offensive line. I thought their running um, O-line was better than their, their uh, pass protection in this game. Not that it was bad. Um, everybody looked improved. Fewer mistakes along that offensive line. Charles Leno Jr. looked more sturdy in this game than he did a lot of last year. Um, James Daniels, you know, he seems like he's taken the next step. Cody White here didn't I didn't notice any kind of problems with the exchanges right. uh, center, you know, and that was yeah. almost bugaboo early in the year. So um, on the overall, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, and heck, heck Charles Leno probably made the play of the game when he recovered that fumble, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, like, what, what are we talking about right now if, if that's not recovered? Who knows? Who knows if it's a scoop and score for Detroit or if they just get the ball in that position? Um, it was a horrible play by by Trubisky, you know, running backwards and then fumbling, and then just a, a spot-on, the way you teach it, recovery of the fumble by big Charles Leno. Listen, I don't want to go to the low-hanging fruit. That David show, Mark Brody, Bear Silent reporter for 670 Score. Follow him at Mark Brody Sports. I'm not doing low-hanging fruit today, Mark. We're not going to do Mitch versus Nick Foles. You can do that with everybody. Ooh. Okay. It's yeah. just no reason. It's no, we'll wait. All right? We'll get, <laughs> I, I will say this. When you brought up the Cody Whitehair and exchange part, when Nick Foles gets there and there's a lot more shotgun, I'm going to start worrying about Cody Whitehair just a tad bit more. I will just point that out, all right, real quick. Mm. Let's go to this week with the Giants. Um, a lot of people thought that offense was going to be better, uh, but one, Saquon Barkley was basically stopped, and, you know, they, they never really have all their receivers as far as Evan Ingram, even though we're going to the tight end, uh, the whole accoutrement uh, together. What are your expectations, and what what's the Bears do uh, going to face the Giants this weekend? Well, Bears are favored, and I think that they should win. I think that they they will win. This is a team that they they beat last year as well when they were a four win team. And I've heard people saying in New York that this is a better team. They have more respect for their coach and all that. But I think that I think the Bears are again getting the Giants at a good time. That this is like the team that's the proverbial year away from being good i don't expect saquon barkley to be bad in this game like he was mm. last night's game uh where it was just horrid it was a nightmare for for barkley and for the giants on offense as far as the running game is concerned um you know he hurt the bears last year um i do think that he is yeah i do think that they're gonna have to re i mean look i mean we're, just, we're talking about adrian peterson and what he was able to do at his age, um, I mean, they better they better lock down a little bit and shore up for Saquon Barkley, or else or else he will he will burn them. But I but I think on the overall, the Bears are a much better team than than the New York Giants. And look, in the division, it's only one game. But what are your thoughts on the other teams in the division with the the Vikings facing the Packers and the Bears facing the Lions? How do you think this division is necessarily going to play out this season? I still think the Minnesota Vikings are the best team in the division, um, even though the Packers took them out and Aaron Rodgers looked terrific in that contest. I just think that there is a lot of veteran talent on that team. And then they had some really young up-and-comers, too, on the Vikings. I think they had, like, 16 draft picks. They had the most draft picks in the draft this year, most that they've had, like, since for 20 years or something like that. So I think that if they can figure it out and mesh all of that they have on the Vikings, I still think that that's the best team in the division. Uh, but Green Bay is right there, and it's, it's like talk about low-hanging fruit. It's always easy to 
to say Green Bay is going to be there until Aaron Rodgers isn't there. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's like you go to the, like the Packers, you could you can name three or four guys who kind of stand out on their team, but it's really all about Aaron Rodgers. And as long as he's healthy and looking like he did um, in week one against the Vikings, they're going to be a threat. Uh, but right now I think they're just a tick below Minnesota. All right, bro, let's get out of sports. Let's have a little bit of fun before you get up out of here. All right. We've been in COVID formation. So, one, I want to know mentally, all right, how have you been with everything that's been going on? Because I haven't talked to you that. This isn't the fun part. It'll start fun right after this. But how have you been with everything that's been going on? And how have you been moving now in this shelter-in-place type of environment? Wow. It's been a – I would say it's been a wild ride. Um, the good thing about being me is that I – don't nobody depends on me for anything in my life. I'm a single man. So nobody misses me. Nobody needs me for anything. So really the isolation that I've done, it is really just the same, the same thing in my life. There's really not much that's changed. I will say that I, I did a couple things differently during uh, the, the hardest part of the pandemic. I did start, I, I, um, I, I did start a podcast. I started a podcast with a buddy of mine. It's called uh, let me put a list together and we just put it's the it's the most simple of of podcasts of all time and completely unoriginal what we do is put together lists of things about which we are passionate like uh 90s music top 10 90s song top 10 martin scorsese simple things that people during the pandemic didn't have to use their brains for just let us talk and be clowns and goofballs um so i've had fun fun doing that where can you um, find it mark where can you find it um, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast. I usually okay. post it. Yeah, we haven't done it. We're, we're working on season two, as we like to call it. Well, season okay. one wrapped up. <laughs> but yeah, actually, right now, I think I've got it po- to make it easy. I got it posted on my Instagram page. Just, just uh, look me up at Mark Grody and you could uh, you could find it there. But you can find it anywhere. You, you find your podcast. Let me put a list together. And then thanks for letting me plug that, man. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, anytime, anytime. Also, so food-wise, because now, see, before, I wasn't using Uber Eats and all these other apps, but I've used them a lot more. So what is what has been your go-to meals as far as if you're getting some delivery or have you just been like, you know what, forget it. I'm going to be out about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, you know, I've had a, I guess the one risk that I've been willing to take is to, which I live downtown, so I got a grocery store right near me. So I actually walk to the grocery. I'm a, mm. again, back to the single guy thing. I get my food per day. So I go to the grocery store just about every fresh. single, right? Fresh. I go fresh. Exactly. Yeah. I go fresh. I go fresh. Yeah. So this is a great question because when the pandemic started, I was like, you know what? Cause I'm a weight fluctuator. I fluctuate. So I was like, I am not going to let this be, I am not going to let this pandemic get me fat because it would be very easy to, to have that occur. Right. Cause what are you going to do? Eat man. It's I know. I, know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I love eating. I don't want to not want to eat, you know, appetite suppression. No, no, I want to eat. Um, so I, I was very healthy for a while. It's ironic because it's only been about the last month or so that I've been eating like a, like a maniac, like just, just horribly. So yeah, yesterday, last night was fast food and I'm big on the, uh, when I'm, when I'm losing it a little bit, like in terms of just letting myself go, I get a rotisserie chicken and um, a big tub of blue cheese and mix it with barbecue sauce. Um, yeah, and it's really good. And then always dessert of some sort, like ice cream with cake. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bro. Last one. All right. Okay. You got all about right. six minutes here. I need. Okay. I want a story. 
either athlete or the reporter or talking head, but what's the wildest story as far as getting it into someone or just hearing something that was odd that you can say here that you're not exposing someone else during your career as a reporter or, like I said, a person that's on the radio as a talking head? Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe I can give, I'm trying to think here. I could probably give you the choice. Would you like the story about Jim Hendry hollering at me on the infield at Wrigley Field or the Barry Bonds yelling at me in the Cubs visiting a locker room when he played for the Giants? You got to go Barry Bonds. Okay. Jim Henry one next time. Don't you give that injury to anybody else. <laughs> next time. But give me Barry Bonds. All right. So this is obviously years ago when Barry Bonds, I, I wish I could think which year is like it early, early offs. Um, and I, I had to go over to the, the visiting locker room at Wrigley Field, which for people who have never been in it, it's the most uncomfortable place. It's just, it was the size. They've changed it since I've been there. Size of a closet. Uh, so everybody hears everything that's said. All conversations are out there. It's like it's being broadcast. So it's very uncomfortable, um, the situation there to begin with. So all me and a bunch of other reporters are all over there. We're all kind of huddled together, and we're all kind of stalking Barry Bonds because we all want to know if he's playing. This is like a day in which he might be playing, might not be playing. Um, and so I was like, the hell with it. I need to find out. I'm on a, I'm on a you know, I'm on the clock. I got to get on the air here soon. So I depart from the reporters and the reporters are like, Oh no. So I go over to Barry. He's, he's over there. He's over there lifting weights. You know, he's lifting weights. And I go, I go, Barry, I said, uh, I said, you playing today. And he just kind of looks at me and he's, he's lifting the weights and he just, then he yells. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, can't you see I'm doing something right now? And I'm like, I'm in, I wasn't even flustered. I was kind of like, uh, I go, Barry, I go, I'm on a time schedule here. I just want to know. I just want to know if you're in the lineup today. And he puts the weight down. He's like, gets in my face. And he goes, he goes, man, can't you see I'm doing something right now? And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, and all, and all, all the other reporters are looking at me and they're all like, they're, they're all like, what did he say? What did he say? And I'm like, you heard him. You heard him. <laughs> <laughs> he's busy. He's what he's. Yeah. So I don't know if he's playing, but the but the the good ending to that story was, and I, I left the locker room because I had to. Um, the the good ending to that story was, one of the other reporters ended up finding out that he was playing that day, and because the other reporters saw what I went through, that I took the hit for everybody, they gave me the information right quick, Sweet. and I was able to get it on the air. So Sweet. so yeah. So that's my. That's my Barry Bonds experience. So what this was this was Balco Barry, I take it. So he oh, made yeah. raging a little bit while you did that. <laughs> yeah, Balco. You gotta Barry. know when it's time to let go of Grody. You gotta know that's <laughs> raging. Gotta let him do his thing. Especially if he's lifting and raging, Grody. You gotta let him hey, do his thing. I learned a very important lesson that day. Listen, Mark Grody, sideline reporter for the Bears for six seven news score. We always I always appreciate it. I'm sorry to say we because I always think about deep being here. Me and Ryan yeah. though. Um, always yeah. appreciate it. Stay safe during COVID. I look forward to talking to you down the line, man. Always love talking. Yeah, shout out to D. Always love coming out with you, Davis, Ryan, whatever. You know. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy yourself when you're eating that rotisserie chicken, that blue cheese, and that barbecue. Because see, a lot of people don't like blue cheese. All right. Oh. Me, I like blue cheese. So oh, yeah. Something that's like, I don't know if I would want the, but see, the blue cheese, the sweetness of the barbecue sauce may, may, the blue cheese may offset that, though. So I can kind of see how that works. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's it because I love both, but when you put them together, it's yeah, it's one of those combos that you don't off the top of your head. It doesn't sound right, but it's unbelievable. The sweet and the savory, or something like that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Definitely, Is that definitely. right? Yeah, 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 definitely. But Grody, have a good one, man. I'll talk to you. Thank you. No doubt. Tyler Yazian will snap it. Chris Gula will hold it. That Davis Show back. We want to thank our guest, Mark Grody, at Mark Grody Sports, sideline reporter, Bears sideline reporter for WCR to score, uh, for joining us and having a nice conversation. It's always a good time. Always been a down guy. Uh, wish nothing but the best for Mark. Uh, can't wait to talk to him down the line. We will have that key discussion when it matters, because right now it'll just be us beating a dead horse. The one thing here, me and Ryan don't want to necessarily do what Ryan and I don't necessarily want to do is be the dead horse and be like some other people just can't come up with content. You know what I'm saying? We'll just joke around, man, if we just got to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's just no reason to do it. When, when and if Mitch plays bad enough consecutive games, then maybe we'll start to enter that conversation. I, I, and in some ways, I'd rather enter that conversation when the switch is made. And then again, after we see Nick Foles play uh, with this team under Matt Nagy uh, for a few games to revisit it. But you know what time it is. It's time to have some fun. And it's time to go up for grabs. That's a really good point that you just made. Why talk about something that's not a story yet? Because we need something to kind of develop. But we'll start up for grabs with a hot Bears development regardless. And that's this week's game against the Giants. And it sets up well against New York. They look terrible on Monday night. The Bears, they did look terrible for the most part in Detroit. but. They got the job done, and they seem to have more potential. What are you looking for? What do you expect out of the Bears versus Giants this Sunday? Uh, you know what? I think Daniel Jones is better. Clearly, he's better than any type of stuff we said about him during the draft last year after they chose him. All right? They were right um, picking him. Well, to be fair, we didn't say it was a bad pick. We didn't say he was a bad player. We thought it was a bad pick. True, six. but, I mean, we still were sitting there. Haskins was there. Uh, I think he's proven a little bit more, some more than Haskins has so far. We'll see how Haskins improves with the Washington football team. They did have a victory on Sunday. Big so, time comeback. Yeah, we'll see necessarily how that goes. Um, but he's listen, he's mobile. He has a strong arm. He's a lot like Eli. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a, he's very similar to Eli. He seems Eli. He seems stoic. Eli Manning, that is. Uh, Saquon Barkley, man. Listen, and if the thing again with the interview with Mark Brody. And he was like, expect more from Saquon Barkley, and I do. And it makes you go back to that game. Was it last year or the year before? No, it was year. <sighs> yeah, it was Barkley, two years. Two years ago? Yeah, you're right. It was because he was injured last year. It was his rookie year when he broke that one. And it's like, I don't want him to have that type of energy for us because he had a bad game. Uh, but I do expect the Bears to win. I expect the Bears' defense to necessarily do what they need to do to stop this guy. This guy isn't uh, a heralded QB like uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, so I definitely see that taking place. Uh, but listen, you can see, uh, listen, Garrett is calling a decent games compared to who he's calling with Dak. Uh, defensively, the Giants aren't there. Probably I will hope that Mitch should have a better game earlier. Now, it may be somewhat – it may have ebbs and flows and be like a roller coaster ride, and look how easy and effortless I do that. It's, it's hypnotizing in a way. Yeah, that is actually really good. But uh, it's, 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 it's the melanin in me. But um, – Okay. It's just one of those things. <laughs> it's just, it's I'm just, better than you. Oh no, 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 no! That's not at all what I, I'm not. I'm not that type of cat. Um, 
But uh, it's just it's, it's just one of those things where I think Mitch should get off earlier. Plus, two, I think they kind of know early on what they can kind of expect in, in, in short bursts from Mitch. And they're sticking to the running game. Like, one thing that you know, like me and you last week, we're, the thing was, it's on Nagy. That was one of the clips we posted. And he answered a question. And we'll see if he's going to be consistent with it. Because we saw times in his, his first year here where he dedicated himself to the run when they still had Jordan Howard. And then last year, it was just like, it, even when he, that first year, it was times where he didn't run Jordan Howard enough, i.e. the Philadelphia Eagles game in the playoffs. But still, I like what I saw when it came from what he did with the offense. I, I thought he did his job. Uh, I, I thought he put Mitch in good positions, let alone taking a lot of the burden off his back by running the ball in the first place consistently and using all three running backs. I still have a fear of what if one gets hurt. I still don't think David Montgomery hits that hole right. Because to me, I felt like Tariq Cohen and a Cordero Patterson hit the hole better than David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery, he dances a little bit too much or his initial reaction on that first cut is to do the first cut. He kind of doesn't like what he sees, and then he does a jump step, and he takes away the momentum. He got three to four yards after that because he's just a hard-running dude. But still, I, 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 I want to see better vision from one David Montgomery because I, I want I want to see what David Montgomery can really do if he hits the hole properly and he gets to the second level and no one has really stopped him, how far he can get. Will he be a Kareem Hunt type guy who may not be able to take it all the way to the house but can get you 30, uh, you know, said maybe all the way to the house occasionally, but he's not necessarily a burner, but he's somewhat elusive. Uh, but he's not Clyde Edwards Edsler who lowered that boy. But still, that's a whole different 74, a whole other day. But yeah, I see the Bears winning. I see them definitely defeating the Giants. I don't expect a lot of the Giants. I do think their offense will play better this season. But if, if the Bears lose to the Giants, it's not going to necessarily uh, be the, tail, the, 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 the whole total totality of what the season is about. But I'll definitely be disappointed because, to be honest with you, I think the Lions are better than the Giants. Yeah, I'm with you uh, on a lot of those points. Uh, I would start off, I guess – I want, I'm not really worried about the defense, but if they have another bad game, I would start being very worried about the defense. So I'm going to give them week one. And it was even brought up when you talked about Mark Grody and I talked about this, like, how do you really practice tackling if you don't tackle? Like, that's kind of a thing. And that seems to be more of a defensive thing than an offensive thing. Like, you need physicality and contact in defense and you don't do any of that in training camp and definitely not this year with abbreviated training camp, no preseason. So I want to see, I guess what they do against Saquon and Daniel Jones before I just start panicking about them offensively. I'm with you. I liked how Matt Nagy really stuck to the run in that game. Do that again moving forward. Don't let it be an isolated incident where week one we decided <laughs> to run the football and now we can just go back to throwing it. And, I, you know, I want to see them, you know, with Mitch, run more tempo. It seems like when he's not thinking, he can actually play a little bit. Like get him maybe some more drives where, hey, let's do tempo. Let's not let him just sit there, huddle, you know, let the defense decide how many coverages or how we're going to disguise. Get them maybe in a no-huddle situation where the defense can't substitute. Maybe you catch them on something. And go ahead. Only problem with that is what happened if you're three and out with tempo and you're bringing the defense. Hey, that was Detroit. They were 0 for 9 of their first third down. That was all they were. 
I got a question. Uh, that Davis show, the executive producer, Ryan uh, Bukovetsky. I got a question for you, Ryan, uh, going into this Giants game. Now, would you sit there, and we both think the Bears should win, would you sit there and still hold out Robert Quinn another game and let him get healthier? Because you think this defense should be able to take down the Giants' uh, offense without him, or do you feel that it's pressing that Robert Quinn, if he's healthy enough, should be out there playing? Yeah, if he – like like you said, this is going to be about the Giants running the football, I think, more so than throwing it. And Robert Quinn is not known as a run defender. He is known as a pass rusher. So would it be great to have him out there? Yeah, because he would definitely help out in that area. But I'm with you. The Giants, I don't know what they have uh, totally at offensive line. They're going to be wanting to establish the run, and Robert Quinn isn't necessarily going to help you in that area. So if he seems kind of 50-50, I wouldn't push it either. Because then you look at the week after, I believe it's Atlanta. That's a throwing team. <laughs> you want some pass rushing against the Falcons. Uh, listen, are they in Atlanta or are they up here? I'll double check. I believe it's in Atlanta. Because that's what I'm going to say. If it's on that turf too, boy, you better get his butt out there. You know, going after that Matt Ryan and start trying to stop that. Yeah, get that speed going. And also Todd Gurley had a good game. Uh, so definitely we'll see. But all right, still up for grabs. Where are we going next? Uh, let's do basketball since that is happening on a Tuesday night. Let's uh, talk Eastern Conference Finals because we know the matchup, Miami-Boston. Tatum out front. Buck at seven. Working against Butler. Got downhill. Couldn't punch it. Bam says get it out of here. Out of bio. Sky high with the block and rejection. That's why he's NBA All-Defensive Team. Bam Adebayo went airborne with Jason Tatum, and Adebayo won. We were dead right per usual <laughs> last round. So uh, how are you feeling about this series? What do you think I are the keys, and who are you leaning I don't have a lean. I want to go. My heart. No lean. My heart tells me Miami. My mind goes with the Celtics because I like I like I like their offensive weapons slightly better. They're um well they're they're better well rounded outside of uh, Jimmy and Bam Adebayo. You know what I'm saying Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richardson, or what's the other uh, shooter they got on the team? Uh, Duncan Robinson. Thank you, Duncan Robinson. I was about to say Richardson. Duncan Robinson. I don't think, you know what I'm saying, it's not the same when you got, you sit there and you got uh, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kimba, you know what I'm saying? Like these guys are well rounded scorers. Uh, you got the young center kid uh, that the, they drafted two years ago that was kind of in trouble, but this year in the bubble, he's been playing well for the Celtics. Uh, so offensively, I like what the Celtics can do, but man, looking at just how rough and versatile too um, that that the uh, the Heat are, and the Heat's key player or players, but key player Jimmy, it's like it's like old Scottie Pippen stuff, where he could score fourteen points and they could win, you know, just because mm-hmm. on everything that he's he's raising everyone else's level by being a, 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 a perimeter hard hitting perimeter defender. Uh, being a facilitator, putting guys in the right place, amping them up, you know what I'm saying, taking the right shots when needed, that, you know, so to be honest with you, I, I'm just telling you, I kind of don't know what we said. This one is like low-key sexy. 
You know what I'm saying? Because one, we so, may we may end up with Denver and the Lakers in the Western Conference Final, which we didn't think was going to happen. It still may be dope, but even to a certain degree, if we ended up with the Battle of LA with the Clippers and with the Lakers, man, we can't count on the Clippers. You know, like the Clippers are like a uber talented Milwaukee Bucks team right now, where Milwaukee just basically had Giannis. They got all that, but something ain't right, and it hasn't really been right. It's just that their level of, of talent has allowed them to prevail. But, like, they play like they're going through the motions. You know what I'm saying? It's just like – and I'll tell you this, too. I, I got love for Montrez Harold, but against a, a legit center, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes he can get him, but sometimes it's like, you you, you a little AC busy. And listen, it's a little bit, not a lot of barbecue chicken down there if you get a, a real <laughs> – Little barbecue chicken on there. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much you can live off of just being rough and rugged and, you know what I'm saying, you don't want none of this, you know what I'm saying, to where guys are like, this is basketball, and, dude, I can post you and do my dizzle on you. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's, that, I don't know. But in the East, the, the Eastern Conference, you really have to be happy outside of maybe if the Raptors have gotten there by the two teams that have gotten there as far as the competitive nature of that series. Because if 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 – Milwaukee had gotten there. I don't see it being what it should have been. Um, so I definitely like. I definitely enjoy what took place in the East. The best. The best two teams in the East made it. You know, what I'm saying, like I said, side side note to the Toronto Raptors, the champions who showed how great they are, and they have a terrific organization and head coach and uh, and players. Even though Pascal said it was his shoulder, he didn't really play as well in the bubble as he played throughout the most of this past season. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm feeling it. But I, I can't. I'm be honest with you, right? I don't know this one. You know what I'm saying? I don't know because to me they're evenly matched, but they're nowhere near the same team. What are your thoughts? Oh, I like a quite a few things you said because I agree. This is low key like a sexy matchup between these two. Like if Battle of LA happens, everyone's going to be like, "Ooh, there's that supermodel." Like the Maxim's hottest, right? You know, right, right. And this one is going to be kind of down the list, and you're going to be like looking back on it, like, man, that was that was something special there. We might overlook that one. And you, I like your point with the Heat being the Bulls with Scottie Pippen. I like that comparison a lot, and like that comparison, they are going down <laughs> in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. <laughs> I like that. Uh, 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 you caught me with my mouth open right there. You got me. You got me. Uh, I, I'm leading Boston it, it ma- a little. It makes I, listen. I want to go there with you, right? But I, I can't put nothing past this Heat team. All right. I, no, they are balanced. They're solid. They got, got a great good coach. players. Great coach. Great organization. It's a star. It's a star league, and I'm going Boston with the stars. They got to me. Three of the top four players in this? No, not me. I'm gonna put. You know what? I call it Sacramento. I'm gonna put Bam over Kimba right now. Okay, that's fair. I'm put, so I'm gonna put Bam over Kimba right three now. Three of the one top Kim five. Been hurt. One Kim, yeah, definitely three out of the top five. But one Kimba also hasn't been right for majority of the season. But I'm gonna put. And he's kind of sometimes he hasn't really been going off in this. Yeah, spot. he didn't play well late with Toronto. The last exactly. Games. But I'm gonna go. Definitely the top four players are Jalen Brown, uh, Tatum. Um, Jimmy. Jimmy and Bam Adebayo, I think, are the top four players in this series. Then I would go Kemba uh, would come up next uh, for me. Uh, but so then Miami has well, a also, But then I'll say this, too. 
I may also say top six, say four out of six, because it'd have to be like around here where whether I put Marcus Smart right. to, to, to the rest of the players uh, that are on the Heat's team that are playing well. Because Marcus Smart, is he's balling too. He's two-way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's, he's balling. He's living up to what people thought or close to what people thought coming out of Oklahoma State, uh, the type of key player he is and being the longest tenure Celtic. He's the glue of that team. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's you know, like that guy is the glue of that team. He's lead by example with his, uh, his, his, uh, his, his flailing self. You know, <laughs> he's great, great at that too. He's one of the great flailers in the NBA. You know what, though? It'll be different if he was a great flailer and not a great defender. I give him the benefit of the doubt because he's out there defending his butt off. So, yeah, you should oh, yeah. go out there and flail compared to somebody who's like a terrible defender and they're just an offensive player and they just, oh, all the time. yeah. Oh yeah, it's like not Kyle Lowry team. can be a little flaily, but he yeah. goes on the defense. He's a tough, he's, yeah, again, he's a tough dog. Again, so it's kind of like, all right, I'm cool with it. But yeah, how that, many games do you think this is? Man, it's gonna go six or seven. I say I'm with you. six games, at least six games. But it's gonna, I, I think, unless I'll put it like this, unless, and I, I will leave on the Heat, unless the Heat and Eric Spoelstra figure that team out early, and they can, I see it going six games at least. I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't. But think I don't think it's going. the flip. I don't think it's the flip. I don't think if Brad Stevens and the Celtics can figure out the Heat, I think the Heat will be able to make adjustments to where I don't necessarily think the same, especially without Gordon there for the Celtics. That's going to be necessarily the same if they can kind of change who they are and, and and do different things compared to all the different things we've seen that the Heat can be and anybody can be the star. For the most part, the stars in the Celtics are going to be Tatum and Brown. I'm with you. And if Jimmy plays great, I think the Heat could take it. I just have a feeling like Jimmy is going to come up a little short. Okay. A little Jimmy, short. Jimmy's, I see Jimmy coming looking for you after this series is over. Hey, that'd be great. I like, I I'd like to meet the man. I see Jimmy Anyways. Up the grabs. <laughs> Last one. We got baseball playoffs coming pretty soon, too. It's about uh, 12 games left for pretty much everybody except the Cardinals, who have quite a few doubleheaders left. Uh, the Sox and Cubs, they're 99% chance making it. We're basically waiting for magic numbers to play out. Uh, but both of them looking great, especially the White Sox. So I wanted to ask you, the Sox fan, me, the Cubs fan, what are you looking for out of your Chicago baseball team these last 12 games before we head into the playoffs? Um, listen, enjoyed the victory against the Twinkies last night, who have been our kryptonite along with the Cleveland uh, baseball team. I'm going to try to stop saying that name. Who the Cubs are playing. Yeah, please, but Cleveland, uh, I mean, the Cubs play well against the, the Cleveland team tonight. <laughs> I'd like that too. Go go and get it. Um, listen, I want more situational hitting. I don't want you, even though like last night being a game in the late innings that they, they took it over, I, I want stuff like that because you're all, not always going to be uh, sitting there and with, with murderous road just ejecting balls out of the stadium into the stands. Um, I want good bullpen. I want a good bullpen. Uh, Colomay has been doing this thing. There's been a couple of times. It's kind of like, um, it's going, the Sox are going to need their rotation, which is thin. You got Dallas Keuchel, uh, was, what, got seven, eight days before he may come back. Uh, on the yeah, they're hoping he'll make a start, I think, next week. So you, you need Dallas Keuchel to be healthy. You, I mean, because look, look, your third starter is Dane Dunning, who was a kid coming off of Tommy John surgery, who at, at some point, like in the playoffs, you're going to have to depend on your bullpen because 
you can't super stretch this kid out. His future is on the line. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm not talk, I'm not going to blow this kid's arm out for a COVID title. Even I know a lot of people would be like, this is your only chance. You know what I'm saying? I, I look and he, by no means, even though he comes from the same organization, is Dave Dunning at the same level that Steven Strasburg was uh, years back when they shut him down and probably could have won the World Series. But guess what? They finally did win their World Series last year. That doesn't happen a lot. So I understand sometimes you got to grab the bull by the horns. and uh, you, But you don't want to end up like, and it's not exactly, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but you don't want to end up like Mark Pryor or uh, uh, well, uh, Kerry Wood. Wood. And uh, that one I don't even put on uh, Dusty as much because Jim, Jim Riggleman was talking about what he did to Kerry Wood. Like, y'all, listen, Kerry Wood was a shorty, and we was out there like, man, throw 50,000 strikeouts with a slur ball, kiddo, straight out of uh, the minor leagues, right? Like, where was the concern for his arm? Uh, back then with Kerry Wood. Uh, so, yeah, I, your your rotation is thin. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do with Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, if he's going to get another start, will he be in the bullpen? Moving forward, he did play well. Uh, this past game, it was his best outing of the season. Uh, but it's really the pitching because um, everyone else, everywhere else, basically, they're pretty short up, man. It's, it's, you got uh, Mendick play well if he's going to be out there second sometime when Magical's not out there. Even you're getting a little bit out of Nomar Mazzara. Uh, he hasn't really – I don't think he's still at a home run, but he's at least getting some hits uh, right now and bringing some guys in. So um, it's just all – it's all rosy over here, baby. What y'all doing over here? Yeah. That's my, yeah. That's my West Side um, purveyance talk. I'm putting that purveyance talk. Uh, I would say uh, for both teams, really, pitching is kind of the main thing. Like, because based on the offenses, and it's – exact opposite ends of the spectrum. I believe in the White Sox offense. Now, we don't have a track record, so in the playoffs, who knows? Maybe they go through a cold streak. But Plus with better pitchers. Yeah, and but there's a lot of explosive talent, one through nine. The Cubs are not going to have a great offense. I'm fully convinced of that. But they have been Jekyll and Hyde, so you do sometimes get offense. But for the most part, they've been consistent at clutch hitting and situational hitting. So – Hopefully that continues, and my focus is purely from over the weekend. The starters like John Lester and Alec Mills, obviously Mills had the no-hitter, but they're pitching better, and you need that because that's how the Cubs got off to the great start. It was you, Kyle, John Lester, and Alec Mills. So you really need that, and then maybe you can move Quintana and Chatwood into the bullpen, and that's the other area. The bullpen Mm. has finally been pitching better. Can they keep this up? Are they really rolling? Even – Craig Kimbrell got a save. A big save. Yeah. Whoa. Where'd that come from? Can he keep that up? I mean, the arm's been good, but the consistency hasn't. So if that pitching for the Cubs can get back to an elevated level, you know, they can maybe make some noise. I I don't really like the matchup with the Dodgers if they ever got to that point. And I don't think anybody would like that matchup against the Dodgers. Or the Padres if you get to that point. Really? But at least. I want that Padres smoke. Yeah. Probably not. At least with them, maybe they would choke in the playoffs. Like the Dodgers are just this team that constantly makes it all the way to the end. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, but pitching is definitely what I want to see out of the Cubs this last 12 games. You know what? I got an up for grass for you. Uh, National League MVP, Mookie Betts, or he whose name should not be spoken on this show. Tatis the Padres. Oof. I think you got to lean a little bit Mookie. 
Mm-hmm. Better record. That's what I was thinking. Pretty too. effective storyline, big contract, and kind of like what we said in the text chain. It's not the same because Mookie's still really young, but I think Tatis still has a a, a lot of years left of that. He got some MVPs. He got some yeah. MVPs in him. Yeah. And, so and, maybe Mookie one more. And what you were referring to, and I was the second time to the AL uh, in the text chain, we were talking about Tim Anderson or Jose Abreu. MVP and I said Jose Abreu one uh, reason I say that is because he's older and I think Tim Anderson has more opportunities uh, but also being a guy that came here with the losing team for so many years it would so validate his uh, MLB experience we know about how great he was playing in Cuba, Cuba uh, for, I think it was a Serial National uh, we know how well he was there but man it would really legitimize everything about him to have an AL MVP something that Paul Conerco does not have. <laughs> I'm just really underrated player overall. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he, great shape this year, uh, running the bases even better. Like, best shape he's been in since at least his rookie year, maybe better than that. Who's that MVP that, well, he wasn't MVP, but maybe should have been MVP. He was on the sock, got traded to the Padres in that one year, like 2010 ish or something like that. He was the outfielder. Oh, you're talking about Carlos Quinton? Yes, Carlos Quinn. Carlos Quinn. It, it could be a makeup for Carlos Quinn right there, getting Jose Abreu that time. But yeah, he's but, very deserving of the MVP yeah. for sure. And you know what a what a really great sneaky great career he's had in the right? MLB. Right, sneaky Especially great. Start start later and not knowing giving up that contract from the Sox being at that point the largest contract they'd ever given up. I believe it was sixty eight million dollars. Uh, would it translate into the MLB and has been. At You've gotten every dollar worth, basically. More. You've gotten more out of it, uh, especially with what he's done with the team and how he's kept his head down through all that losing. A lot of people would have complained, but like, man, get me up out of here. I don't want to be here. You're not doing anything. You're not helping me become a star here. I came here to be right. a star. You know what I'm saying? Not to be the second on the second team here losing uh, in Chicago. So, uh, no, for what that – he stayed he stayed low and kept firing – uh, so you definitely wish him the best. So I, I look forward to Jose Abreu uh, hopefully getting him an MVP that just further validates and comes to that long history of White Sox first baseman for at least the last 30 years of Frank Thomas, Paul Canerco, now Jose Abreu. Can I say one last thing? Cubs and Sox. Both of them have had no hitter first time ever this year. Is this thing kind of lining up a little bit? It would be. Are the stars kind of aligning? A I would like bit? it. I would like it so much because of what this year has been that it would make it. It would make it so much great that they would finally have another uh, uh, red line series like they did in the early 1900s when we're sheltering in place because uh, the world is coming to an end. Basically, the rapture is upon us. Right. Before we get out of here, we found. How about that? It takes a pandemic or the right. world ending Ooh. for the Cubs and Sox to get to the World Series. I guess you guys deserve this as he drops that into the world. But- well, we said it's like God's like reading the contract. Like, oh, well, we said at the world's ending, they got to play each other. <laughs> I guess. What you think, Kennesaw? You think? All right, cool. Let's go. Okay. All right. Set it up, man, for it. <laughs> Even though Kennesaw Landis wouldn't be up top. <laughs> <laughs> and neither would Rob Manfred. Oh, oh, but yeah, uh, definitely. That, that would be something. If you said that, we would have to revisit this part right there and post it uh, then when you brought that question up right there. Especially, I have to say, with looking at what the Cubs will have to run through because really in the yeah. American League, I mean, you, there's definitely some, 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 some tall teams that you got to go through. But the Yankees are down. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 
I mean, we were talking about the Twins that we're worried about, but you're talking about the Dodgers and then San Diego, and on top of that, San Diego traded for Clevenger. Yeah, you guys, you got bus sauce. You got to run through. If you're worried about even, let's say, the Oakland A's, they lost their True. arguably their best player, Matt Chapman, lost right. him for the whole season. Say so he was a big part of them winning that AL West title. So let's get it. Let's get so definitely. It's a lining. Yeah, and it's it's so funny because it's. I'm happy the NBA. It's getting close to ending, even though not close enough, because it's like so much sports that it's like, I need somebody to drop off. At least football is only played basically on the weekends. But it's so much. It's like, okay. okay I know. It's ridiculous. Right? It's like, oh, man, it's a platform. It's like, this smorgasbord is too much. I want to get off this roller coaster right now. But that baton handoff is going to be some hot, hot work right there between the NBA and Major League Baseball playoffs. Totally Here you agree. go, sir. I totally agree. I totally agree. So is there anything else you got, Rob? Well, I guess one last thing. MLB approved the uh, playoff bubble. Any yeah. thoughts on the bubble? And maybe fans will be there. I'll see. Listen, that's funny. I was going to make a joke on the text thread that I'm going, if the Sox are going like to Dodgers, if they're going to L.A. or whatever, I'm, a, I'm going to stand out. And even though the funny thing about the ravine out there is, you, like, if you're on the street, you can't see the stadium, right? It's a ravine. Oh, yeah. So I don't. I, it's not like, for instance, here in Chicago, you can go up there or, or, or to to Rigneyville and stand right outside there, uh, Waveland and Sheffield and everything like that. Or even the Sox, you have Thirty Fifth Street. You know what I'm saying? And you can mm-hmm. think you can feel the energy. And of course, the the, the, the Cubs at least have uh, decks across the street. Uh, but still, like I kind of want to be there. And I mean, I guess I wouldn't because. I don't really want to get on a plane with any of you COVID MFs jokes, jokes. That everybody and they're not by uh, Death Valley, are they? Because Death Valley just seems to be melting every other day. Right, dude. So, I mean, you know, one thing that's interesting that you bring that up um, was looking at a player. I think it was a, uh, I think it was a Mariners game. I can't remember where it was on the West Coast. Uh, may have been uh, in um, San Diego or the Dodgers talking about how that I'm a young man and I'm having a hard time breathing and I'm healthy and fit because of, the low air quality from all the fires that have taken place out there. That, uh-huh. that I worry about our teams going out there, but more importantly, I worry about the people that have lost so much. The life won in their, their homes. That's way more uh-huh. than us talking about sports, especially thinking about if you were in that position. We wouldn't have to think about if we were in that position just to feel for other people. So uh, it'd be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. To say the least, this has been a good respite, and I know that's bad in some ways because we said that with this distraction, it will take us away from what was more important as far as social justice. But uh, I would say, one, being a person of color and how it's like someone's always on your neck to a certain degree is good. But even, you don't have to be that. You can be you, an ally, and uh, just need a, a breath. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. to, to distract you. I mean, sports are the ultimate distraction. That's what we use it for. I need a Definitely. couple hours to exhale. Definitely, definitely. So uh, definitely wish my my executive producer the best. Keep up the great work. We definitely want to thank uh, Mark Rohde, uh, Bears satellite reporter for WCRS 670 to score for joining us. We'll give you more Bears breakdown. We may try to give you two interviews a week. Uh, may not be every week, but every other week or something. Uh, try to just bring you more insight from other people and give you our angle necessarily when we're talking to them. Uh, hopefully you, you enjoyed it and you continue to uh, go along this dance with us as we explore that David show and the flipping friends. Uh, hopefully we're bringing you some, some good content, entertaining and perhaps thought provoking, but I just want to let you know that we both uh, really appreciate it and definitely be safe as far as moving forward throughout the week and be back here for the flip, which will be dropping on Monday.